Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Rand here from Tom's Big Spire, so I'm hoping to get this one in before my neighbors, who recently chopped down a bunch of trees around their house and left them there for quite a while while they decided yesterday they were going to start cutting them up and chainsawing them. So all day long, all we heard was the sound of dual chainsaws going, which uh, I can tell you was fantastic for a Saturday afternoon and morning, and it was just one of those things I'm sitting there worrying that they're going to do it during the podcast, because unfortunately, when I went up to the tarantula room, you could still hear it from up here, but so far, so good, so fingers crossed for me. Today's topic is obviously going to be about true spiders, and to kick the story off, what kind of brought this one about is the other day, I was we have a humidifier in our basement, and I went to dump the humidifier, and I noticed that around one of the basement doors, we have a double set of doors that look out into the woods kind of area. There's a little clearing in the woods. And when I looked up, there was a big old spider up in the corner. At first, for a split second, I thought it might have been a wolf spider. And then I'm like, no, 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 that's Dolomedes tenebrosus, the dark fishing spider. Now, I think I've shared the story before where many years ago at our older house, a large female had to be, we, we tried to get the tape measure up to at least three and a half inches. One of the biggest true spiders I've ever seen in my life at that point, especially in Connecticut. We just don't get the really, really big ones. And she basically created a web right across our back. We had a little probably four by four overhang porch on our back porch. And she created a web right there, had her egg sack and had a bunch of babies. It was amazing. I had pictures somewhere of it on an older phone. They're terrible because my phone was terrible. But we were so excited by them. And at that point, I had thought about taking some of the babies and raising them up. But I wasn't into true spiders at the time. So this time, I eyed this one here. And it looked like it was probably about two inches or so. So a juvenile. And uh, we're getting colder weather. Winter's coming. We've had a couple days that have flirted with freezing. I think the lowest we've gotten so far is like 38 degrees or so. But freezing weather is coming. And I was under the impression that the D. tenebrosus in this area probably matured in a year, mated, you know, laid an egg sack, and then probably died off. And because this one was a juvenile, not yet a mature male or a female, I was worried that maybe the freezing weather would come, it would die, and it would be kind of a waste of a, a beautiful animal. So I told Billy I was considering capturing it and keeping it over the course of the winter. However, before I did, I did some research and I found a wonderful paper about Ptolemides tenebrosus where, A, they answered a couple questions. Number one, they're called fishing spiders, but every time I've seen them, they've been a pretty decent distance away from water. At our old house, we did have a stream or a river that ran through, but it was probably conservatively 400 yards off or so. And here there are some you know swampy areas in the back. There's some streams, but again, quite a ways off. And both times I've seen one, well, we also had them in our basement of our old house. Some of those babies went down. They were always on vertical surfaces, which kind of gave more of an arboreal vibe. Well, the paper was nice enough to fill in the fact that A, they are more arboreal. They find them more on surfaces of trees and on you know basement sides of foundations, things of that nature. Uh, they're not one of the Dolomedes species that is around water as much. They said they think as they get older and mature, they head toward water to breed and hunt. But most Dolomedes species stay right by water. They can hunt fish and bugs. They can even run across water. These guys are a little more adapted to living in drier conditions or at least in forests away from the water, which I thought was cool. This is how I spend my Sunday morning <laughs> looking up stuff like this. And then the other thing is they said that the spiders become, they reach the juvenile stage in the winter and then they hibernate for the winter. They basically secret themselves away in stones. We have a stone 
retaining wall right next to the basement. And I have a funny feeling that's where this particular spider is going to end up. So no need to grab it out of as much as I wanted it. And I really wanted to grow it up because I've been dying to grow one of these up. No need to grab it. It's going to probably end up in that space, winter there, and hopefully come out. Maybe I'll catch it when it matures. I'm thinking this one is probably a female because I have seen males before, and males are usually about this size. Maybe those are, the next smoke could be a, a could be a male, obviously, if they hibernate when they're juveniles. And I guess around April is when they usually come back up, have their last molts, and then start mating. So won't be taking it in, but I got to learn a little bit more about a local spider that I was really, I've been kind of obsessed with because since seeing that big, beautiful female years ago, I haven't forgotten her and I've kind of wanted to raise more up. But that led me to the topic here where I realized there was a time where I didn't understand the point of keeping true spiders and my gallimorphs will loop them in, even though they're a little more long-lived, and that's one of the biggest knocks against true spiders, but I didn't get it. You had tarantulas, you had something you could get. A, huge, biggest spiders on the planet by far, most of them, if you're not talking leg span like a heteropoda maxima, but the huge spiders, and overall, just the biggest spiders out there, heavy, you know, big, and they live forever. They, they're super long-lived, so I didn't understand the appeal, and then this week, I had somebody chime in on one of my videos. I believe it was one of the Linotheli species and I was talking about longevity and they said, I honestly don't understand the appeal of keeping true spiders. I mean, they I get that they're attractive and cool, but compared to the size and longevity of tarantulas, they just don't cut it. And I get that because I, I had that line of thinking for quite some time. I would post up my tarantula videos and people would always come on and go, you need to keep true spiders. You need to keep this species. You need to keep a wolf spider. You need to keep fishing spider. You need to keep heteropoda species. And I was like, leave me alone. I don't want to keep them. I, it's Tom's big spiders, but I'm, I'm focusing on tarantulas. But as time went on, I started becoming more and more curious about them. I saw ones out there. I'd look things up. I'd see a spider. Woo, what's that? And it was a true spider or a huntsman. Huntsman really kind of caught my eye. A buddy of mine, Charles, introduced me to keeping the wandering spiders, which for a while I ignored them because I heard they were super fast and super potent. You know, you hear the things about the people, the banana spiders that come in on produce and supermarkets and they basically evacuate the whole place and they're freaking out because these things bite you, you're going to get a priapism and die. And you can look up what that is. We're not going to talk about it on Tom's Big Spiders. But it's one of those things that I got scared off from them. I'm like, I have my handful enough with tarantulas that if I screw up enough and get bit, it's going to it's going to be terrible, especially with the old worlds, but it's not going to kill me. And I'm not going to have those weird side effects that I have to go to the emergency room with. So I ignored them for quite some time. However, as time went on, and I think this happens to a lot of us, you start kind of opening up your mind a bit and you start going, you know what, maybe I'll try a couple out, see what the big deal is. And I'm glad I have, and I will continue to keep them. So today's episode, I kind of did, uh, as you guys know my thing, I, the top 10 lists are ridiculous in my mind because who's to justify where these take place? They're all just 10 really good reasons that I think folks should give true spiders or my gallimorphs another try. And obviously, I've covered the Linotheli species, Harmonica, and the curtain web spiders that are very popular here and did a whole thing on those. And I love that after the fact, I'm still receiving emails from people that are like, you know what? You convinced me. I went out and picked one up and I'm so glad I did. And I love that kind of stuff because it, it shows that I created something that got people to give an animal a, a second look. And again, it's not about telling everybody you have to keep these. I always want to make that clear because I don't want to be that guy that comes on like, if you're not keeping these, you're missing out. No, no, no. I'm just saying if you're like me, and I like to use myself as an example, your ignorance, I was ignorant, uh, your ignorance of these species and what they bring to the table can sometimes keep you from even checking them out or giving them a look. And sometimes it just takes a little education to go, oh, wait a minute. 
I never thought of it that way, or I didn't know that. So that's what I'm here for. I present the information to you. I throw it to you. If you want to take a swing, fine. You want to let it pass, take a walk, whatever it may be, it's your call. So don't ever think I'm telling people to go out there and buy stuff. I already feel badly enough about the fact that I have many people that contact me and say their significant other, their girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, husband, wife is upset with me because I keep convincing their significant other to get more spiders. So not trying to convince you, just, well, I kind of am in a way, but just trying to convince people to give these a second look. So one of the things, let's just throw this out there right away. I'm no expert on true spiders. I've been keeping a lot of different, uh, the Linfelli species, obviously, a couple trapdoor spiders, a few species of wolf spiders, a lot of species of huntsmen. I'm no expert on them. It's why there isn't a lot of information on my... I mean, if I feel like I'm comfortable sharing something I did, that, that I will share it. But sometimes I like to keep things a couple times before I share anything. So not an expert. Number two, let's start by throwing out the biggest cons. This is the argument I made for years, is the argument many folks will, uh, have made. This is the argument the commenter made. There are There's one major or two major drawbacks to keeping true spiders. Number one the shorter lifespans. Let's get that right out of the way. Some of these guys, especially when you're talking about huntsmen or wandering spiders, you're talking about two years max with lifespan. You know, they're going to mature out after a year or 14, 16 months, depending on how much you're feeding them, how your temperatures. And then they're going to live a little while afterwards. Males will die off a little more uh, quickly. Females will linger around a little bit and then they're dead. So we understand that. And then I hear a lot of folks say bang for the buck. Why would I go out and spend so-and-so, such-and-such dollars for this species, knowing I'm only going to have it for two years when I can grab this tarantula over here and know that I'm going to have it for 10 or 20 or 30. And I get it. I get it. And that's we have to throw that out there because that is the biggest drawback to them. That is That was my biggest complaint, and that's other people's biggest complaints. But what we're going to look at in this podcast here is what some of the perks are, and we're going to take those cons and, in some cases, flip them around and show how they can be a positive. They can they, It can make the species or whatever the spider you're keeping more attractive. So starting off, what I had for number 10, they take up less space. Yes, one of the big complaints is that they are not as big as tarantulas. And I understand that. I remember looking up species and when I even when I started getting interested in keeping the true spiders and my galomorphs, I always looked at what the max size was. And if I saw something that said two inches, like kind of boring. And again, that's something I think a lot of us need to get over. The bigger is better thing. It, it starts off that way with tarantulas. And then when you start moving into true spiders, you still want something large. But the fact that they are smaller means that you're not going to be using as much space to keep them. With babies, you're talking about little dram vials. For adults, a lot of these species full-grown, two to three inches or so. So you're looking at, if it's an arboreal species, you can do one of those exoterra nano-talls. I've used the 6 by 6 by 10 inch acrylic enclosures, the ones that usually you can get them on Amazon for fairly, sometimes 25 bucks, which isn't that bad. I think that's 15 and a quarter by 15 and a quarter by 25.5 centimeters or so around there. That's an estimation for larger huntsmen. If you're keeping a huntsman spider, obviously huntsmen, they can boogie. They move fast. They're active hunters. So you can give them more space. But a lot of these ones you keep, uh, how many times do you go now on Instagram and see people showing off their enclosures for their jumping spiders or their aresis species? And they're smaller enclosures. Obviously, they give them a little space to have some you know, ability to interact with their environment, move around, but they're not huge enclosures. They look great. It's a little cheaper in that respect. So, all right, so you're spending a little, you know, a little less bang for your buck on the actual spider itself, but you can buy those cheaper enclosures that I don't know about you. Sometimes I go on and I see either on Amazon or one of these acrylic companies is selling 
this wonderful little enclosure. It's relatively inexpensive. And then I think, what am I going to put in that? I'm not going to put a juvenile tarantula in it because within a year, I'm going to be moving it out and I'm going to have to clean all the acrylic and try not to scratch it. Not fun. However, I can put one of my huntsman spiders in it. And as a matter of fact, I'm looking over now. I have, unfortunately, a lot of, I do have to do some shopping for true spiders because I'll get to this in the end, but I have one shelf completely dedicated to true spiders. I kind of cycle through as they pass away, I get more. But I have these ones I bought on Amazon uh, from a couple different companies that are like, eight by eight by 10 or six by six by 10, those size. And they're perfect for the smaller huntsman spiders and even some of the wandering spiders. Again, you can give them something bigger. Next time I'll probably experiment with giving them something bigger, but you can keep them in smaller enclosures. So that I think is a nice little perk, especially for folks who have limited space. And we'll get into, you know, folks that are at a point in their tarantula keeping career that they're running out of room they don't take up a lot of space so that means either more spiders or the fact that you can pull in a few extra spiders when you thought you were kind of done and at your max so the taking up less space is a perk for some now obviously this and i want to make this clear because there's exceptions to every one of these if you're keeping a linotheli species yeah you're going to be keeping an adult probably in something about the same size as you would a medium-sized tarantula but for a lot of the especially those out there that are getting the jumping spiders are all the rage now the aresis species some of the trapdoor spiders you're talking about a small state uh, enclosure right up through adulthood so take up less space number nine they grow Quickly, with that shorter lifespan comes faster growth rate. And I don't know about all of you out there, but sometimes it's nice to have something that puts on size quickly. I keep a lot of species of tarantulas. I keep a lot of the gab species, the Gramostola, Fonapelma, Brachypelma. And as much as I love them, they take forever to grow. Now, I enjoy that. And I just did a video, a feeding video, where I featured my G. rosea that I've had now for about going on nine years, and she's only about two inches. And I love her even more because she's taken so long to grow. It, it's an endearing quality. However, sometimes you just want to see those results more quickly. You want to get something as a sling and watch it go through those stages. Teeny tiny sling. Slightly less teeny tiny sling. Hey, I can see this sling. Hey, it's getting bigger. You want that kind of excitement and that more consistent growth rate. And the majority of it, especially if you're talking about the... Jumping spiders, Latrodectra species, the Linotheli species grow really quickly, the wandering spider species grow really quickly, the huntsman spiders grow really quickly. You're going to have something that resembles an adult within a year. So that's, for some of us, that can be a perk, especially if you have other things. We talk about the hobby. And a lot of folks, the reason why they get such huge tarantula collections is because of the boredom of when there's nothing going on. The fact that I spoke about how when I first started off, I had two. They both went in the pre-mold. I go, what am I going to do with my time? I'm staring at these containers of dirt. I'm staring at this webbing. I know what I'll do. I'll get some more. So you get some more. You feed them. And then the other ones molt. They're eating the new ones you got going to pre-mold. Then next thing you know, they all time up. All four of them are in pre-mold. And it goes on and on and on. The reason why we get these huge collections is because there's always something to look at, to deal with, to work with, to rehouse, to feed. 
molting that it gives it keeps it interesting so that even when they have those stages where they they seem to be fasting for a year you've got something up to, else to occupy your attention when people are like hey i have a tarantula and it's been buried now for six months and i don't know what to do with it what should i do and i can't tell you how many people come on and go buy another spider because that it'll keep your attention away from it so I think that that is one of the reasons why we all get so many spiders. And I think for some of us, that's why some of us get into the true spiders because we, we're looking forward to that faster growth rate. The fact that we know in, in a year, we're going to have the, that spider that we first saw in a photo when we did a search of it on Google. It's like, there it is. There's that adult. That's a pretty cool thing. So I know with me, I was loving the fact they grew so A, it's teeny tiny slings. I've said this many, many times. With tiny sling, tarantula slings, I'm always worried something's going to go wrong. There's always that room for something just mysteriously dies and there's nothing you can do about it. You look at your care, you have three spiders, one of them just dies out of nowhere. They're all kept the exact same way. What happened? And I think for a lot of us, that's why we try to get them out of that sling stage so quickly. Now imagine you're keeping something that's out of that sling stage in six months. That's pretty nice. That's a pretty good deal. That's a perk as far as I'm concerned. I know, obviously, other folks that want a longer live one, I get it. But for folks that have some longer live ones already and just want to, you know, raise this one up, the fast growth rate is fantastic. So I would say, yep, they don't live as long, but that fast growth rate is a definite plus. I love watching them grow. I love a lot of the, it's a good thing they do grow quickly because I will say these guys, and this is another knock on them, if you see a second instar, say, heteropoda species, they are tiny and they are fast. So it can be a little bit stressful at first, but they're going to grow out of that stage quickly. So the growth rate, I believe, can be a perk depending upon how you look at it. Number eight, this one obviously is going to depend on which species you're currently hunting down, but they can be less expensive than many tarantula species slings. Now, are there going to be many exceptions to this? Absolutely. However, before I got on, I jumped on, did some searches for some of the popular ones out there, and I found a lot of the sp true spiders available, heteropoda species, even some linotheli species, some wandering spider species, a lot of different wolf spiders, Dolomite species, fishing spiders, all of them, I could find them between $20 and $40. Now, obviously, $20 is a good deal. I don't. I think $20 to have something for a year, raise up a year and a half, two years, pretty good deal. Um, can they be more expensive than that? Yes, depending on the species, depending on the market. I've noticed that with some of these, they disappear quick. The next time they come out, they're a little more expensive. Uh, other times, uh, they're more expensive, and then it seems like everybody gets them in at once, and then the prices come down. So if you do some price shopping, you can usually find some of these guys for between, we'll say 20 and 40 bucks. I hopped on hardcore arachnids before I did this too. They had a bunch in around the $30 range or whatever. So they're going to be in some cases less expensive, which is nice because some of the tarantula species out there, obviously they're the cheaper ones. The ones that are very easy to come by that you can pick up for 25, 30 bucks. And obviously I'm talking about over here in the United States, overseas, the prices are totally different. We get a Fauna Palma species over here. They can be a little less expensive. Over there, they're ridiculously difficult to come by and more expensive. But then I'll post something about a species over here that I got for, I thought, a good price at 35 bucks, And somebody from the UK will come on and go, I just picked that up for eight. So it depends on where you're at. I'm talking about US prices. But they can be less expensive, which, again, could be a nice thing because it's not so much of an investment. And if you're starting with a teeny tiny sling, again, it's going to outgrow that fragile stage rather quickly. So we've got they take up less space. They grow quickly. 
They can be less expensive than some of the tarantula species. The other, this should probably be higher up. This is why I think that doing any type of top 10 is ridiculous, but they are incredibly fun to watch hunt. My favorite things to feed right now are not tarantulas. They are my Linothelia harmonican species, my curtainweb spiders. I can watch them hunt all day. Not to say don't enjoy watching my tarantulas, but it's been a different type of hunting. And one that I just enjoy watching them move, the skittering out of the web, the noises, the retreating. It's just so much fun. But that's not all. There are other species out there and other types of spiders that are just as much fun to watch hunt. It could be a trapdoor spider like Cyclocosmia truncata. I love it. So help me God, one of these days I'm going to get good footage of it. But I will feed mine and wait and wait and wait and wait with the camera running, trying to catch it eating. And then the moment I turn that camera off, that thing pops up, grabs it. I love watching them hunt. The lightning fast wandering spiders, they detect, they see something and it's because their eyesight is good. It's not like tarantulas that you have to wait till it hits that web and they recognize it's there and then they kind of figure out where it is. These guys find the prey, they stalk it, they grab it, it's, they move like lightning. Same thing with huntsman spiders. They see it, they jump. I just went to feed one of my heteropoda venatoria. And I dropped the prey item in. The, the spider was on the top of the cork bark about 10 inches up. I dropped the prey item in before I was able to pull my hands away with the tongs. So I dropped it in with the tongs. As I was pulling my hands away, it had already snatched the cricket up and gone right back up to the top. It was mind-blowingly fast. They are so much fun to watch hunt. They hit like trucks. They hide in holes. They hide in webbing. Wolf spiders. I don't know if you've fed wolf spiders. They are active hunters. They will chase things down. There is. They will know that thing is across the, the enclosure from it, and they will go out and charge it. Jumping spiders. Is anything cuter than a little tiny jumping spider grabbing a cricket the same size it is? It's a blast to watch. So it's a different type of hunting in many cases than tarantulas. It's a different way of hunting. You know, they, they detect things using their eyesight. They chase them down more. It's just uh, for somebody that enjoys feeding videos and feeding big, giant spiders, you can't overlook the true spiders and the mygalomorphs. Sicarius, Sicarius homosoides, uh, the sand spiders. I used to have so much fun watching mine eat and pop out of the sand and grab it, wrestle it. It's just amazing. And think of it this way. Are they sure to live? Yes, because they grow more quickly. And spiders that are more active, they're more active hunters, use up more energy, they eat more. So you have more opportunities to feed them. With a tarantula, you're not going to feed a tarantula once it starts putting on size very often. With true spiders, you have to feed them often because they're using up energy. So feeding time is definitely a blast when keeping the true spiders, my galomorphs, all, they all have such unique ways of hunting that it kind of has to be seen to be enjoyed. And then I don't think there's many people out there that keep tarantulas that wouldn't watch this and go, man, this is just a blast. So now on to number six of our reasons why people should give true spiders, my galomorphs, a second look. They are easy to care for. If you've been caring for tarantulas for any length of time, you'll do just fine with the majority of true spiders, my galomorphs out there. The care is incredibly similar. One of the things when I first started keeping these guys, I didn't want to do a lot of care stuff on them because I think anybody that keeps one animal for a certain amount of time and starts keeping a different type of exotic, you're inclined to try to keep them the same way you kept the other one. So for example, I, I did a podcast a way long time, about five years ago, six years ago, about the transition from keeping snakes 
to keeping tarantulas and how some of the things I had to do with snakes did not carry over, but I still tried to do them. It's like the heating mats, the lights and stuff like that. I think for tarantulas, it works out great because it's basically the same stuff. You're going to use your deli cups. You're going to use your dram vials. You're going to use moist substrate, or in some cases, you're going to use dry substrate. You're going to give some of them hides. You're going to give some of the arboreal ones, arboreal things to web to. Linotheli, give them some webbing anchor points and things of that nature. For the fossorial trapdoor spiders, guess what? It's going to be deep substrate. In my case, is moist substrate. They're so simple. And I think, again, that fact that they grow quickly has to be roped in here. They are so easy to raise up because it's very apparent early on if you're doing okay because they will eat a lot. They will eat well. They will pre go in a quick pre-molt. They'll molt and get bigger, and they get bigger sooner than later. And even the longer-lived species, obviously, we mentioned earlier, Sicarius tomosoides, those take a little while to grow up. There are other species that grow a little more slowly. Aresis walkinari, holy geez, those guys take a while. I'm sure some folks have faster ones out there. I got one of these from Tom Patterson back about, oh gosh, it's going on three years, and the thing was a speck. And I can't tell you how many times I was convinced I had killed this thing because it was so tiny. It did a little webbing, and the bottom of this container. I'd shine my flashlight in there and wouldn't see anything. And I'd drop in. I didn't have anything small enough for it. I did have, I started off with the flightless fruit flies, but they even seemed a bit too big. But every once in a while, I would come up, I'd catch it and it'd grab a flightless fruit fly. So cute. But uh, those take a little longer to grow. But the majority of the ones we've talked about here, the wolf spiders, fishing spiders, jumping spiders, linotheli species, they're very easy to care for. With the linotheli species, the majority of them, moist substrate, couple times a week, go in there, spray some water on their webbing before bedtime. They'll come out and drink right from that. Easy. A couple ones to mention. They are speaking of Aresis walkinari and Hagna medariana ex schmitzi. Those are the uh, Porto Santa wolf spiders. Those are ones that you need to keep dry. Those are not spiders. I know a lot of times when we talk about keeping spider slings, it's ingrained in us. All spiders need moisture. There are those rare ones out there that don't need it overly moist. I'm looking at you, GBB, like my GBB slings. I moisten a corner. I dribble some water on the webbing, but I keep things mostly dry. G. Porteri, uh, the Gramostola, Polker Beast, things of that nature. There are some slings out there that you don't need to go nuts with the moisture. Well, these guys are Reese's Walkinary. I have kept bone dry from day one. Everything I read about it said kept bone dry. Every part of my, in, every instinct I had for keeping spiders over the years told me the spider was going to die because it needed some type of moisture. It didn't, and it's done fine, and it's thrived. Hogna medariana, I got one originally. I put it in what I thought was a dry enclosure. I, it was a, I had some substrate I was trying to dry out. There might have been some moist, there, there was no might have been. There was some moist stuff on the bottom. I put it in that enclosure, gave it a nice hide. It lived for a couple days and then dropped dead, and I have a funny feeling that that one was on me because I kept things a bit too moist. The second one I got is a little tiny baby, put it in bone dry substrate, fed it, turned out to be a mature male, lived no problem. So, and is there anything more easy to keep than a spider that you don't even need to add water to? I think the only thing that makes them more difficult for me is the fact I'm so used to having to make sure there's some moisture in there for even some of the you know, dry species. So very easy to care for. I think a lot of folks find that they get into them and they're like, man, these things are just like, you can't kill them. They, they do great. So that's something to consider when branching out into these guys that you're going to, if you've been keeping tarantulas, it's going to be a very, very easy transition for you. Now, just before we move on to our next one here, a note that that doesn't mean you just pick one of these up and keep it like a tarantula. Do your research. Do your research. Obviously, look up, see how people keep it. You'll find out some of them do have little tricks and just like any other spider you keep, but overall, very simple. 
So number five, one of the biggest complaints uh, folks will make, we talked about the fact that they don't live that long. Another complaint is why would you keep a smaller spider and we didn't keep giant tarantulas? Bigger is better, right? Well, some of these spiders can get quite big too. Some of these true spiders and my gallomorphs get very, very large. We started this podcast talking about the Dolomites tenebrosus that had the female that had the sack on my back porch, at least three and a half inches, which is is bigger than a lot of the dwarf tarantula species. Now, this was a huge spider. When we first saw it, Billy called me out. She goes, you have to see this spider on our back porch. And I'm like, okay, there we go. Every time somebody does this, I have people at work, they'll be like, you got to see this spider I took a picture of. And you look, it's like the size of a quarter. This one was huge. It was impressive. It was gorgeous. It was like a wolf spider on steroids. So awesome, big, big, beefy spider. Some of the other large, true spiders I have kept, Hedropoda boi, the lichen or lichen huntsman. Mine was about five inches, very, very gangly, but five inches in leg span. That's a big spider. My Heteropoda species tie cave spiders, not as big as I thought they were going to be. One of them right now is around four and a half to five inches. The other one's closer to seven inches. So still a big, big spider. And then there was my Harmonican Oipoki that ended up being seven inches in legs. This was a huge, huge spider. So they get quite large too. There are huntsmen out there that hit three inches. There are Dolomites species that hit four inches, four and a half inches. Several species of Heteropoda that get larger than five inches. That my Even my Venatoria are four inches. Not the hugest spiders, but they're still big spiders. So they can get big too. A, a three-inch spider is a very large spider. And obviously we've been kind of spoiled by tarantulas when they can get up to, you know, nine, 10 inches or so and be super beefy. But for the world at large, when you show somebody a three inch spider, they think it is the biggest spider they have ever seen in their life. So huntsmen, wolf spiders, fishing spiders, wandering spiders. I've had two wandering spiders that got four inches or over. That's a big, beautiful spider. All of them have the potential to get quite large. So folks out there that are looking for the big ones, don't shy away from just do your research, find some of those big true spiders or my gallomorphs out there and give them a shot. Number four, I struggled with where to put this on here. And I, I know some people are going to say, well, actually, it's the other way around. But I've spoken to many folks that use true spiders to some true spider species to prepare them to keep old worlds. And it comes down to speed. I love when folks say, yep, I have a Salmapias. It's the fastest thing I've ever seen. Well, you haven't kept a Hedropoda species then. Because I will tell you that the majority of my Hedropoda species, especially when they're smaller, make tarantulas, you name a species, make tarantulas seem slow. It's when I moved into keeping Hedropoda, and wandering spiders, I realized I had met my match in terms of speed because I realized that in the time it took me to register for my brain to compute and go, this spider is about to move. It not only already moved, but it already moved all over the place. Like I have a video out there where we got my heteropoda species Thai cave spiders in and one of them in a blinking eye up my arm and on my back. It was ridiculous and it wasn't even moving full speed. I've seen ones that move full speed we talk about tarantulas teleporting, nah, nothing compared to these guys. So when you take that speed into consideration, it makes, once you keep these guys, suddenly when I went back after keeping and rehousing some of the 
Huntsman spiders, it the tarantulas, it didn't they didn't seem fast anymore. And by comparison, I had done some Salmapia species right after doing some Huntsman species. And it was like, I used to think these guys were fast. It's nothing anymore. It really does help prepare you for that speed and kind of, it allows you to kind of slow things down a bit. Now, is that to say you're going to do work with huntsman spiders or wandering spiders and go back and you should just let your guard down with say, Pisotheria species or Tapetokinius or Salmapias? Absolutely not. I'm just saying it puts the speed into perspective. Suddenly, the speed isn't quite so intimidating because you've seen intimidating. Intimidating is when you go to open the little vial, the spider hops out of the vial, climbs all the way up the enclosure, hops back down and into the vial, and the time it takes you to move your hand an inch. It's that quick. And as adults, they still, I just talked about my H. Venatoria, grabbing that cricket being back on the base before I even finish the process of taping my hand away with the tongs. With those long gangly legs comes speed, especially if you're talking about huntsmen, they can move in any direction. So tarantulas, generally speaking, are going to move forward. They're going to turn around, go backwards. These guys can bebop along, shoot in any direction and just as quickly in any direction. So I know some folks are probably hearing this going, all right, that's a con. Yes, for people who may not want to deal with fast spiders, you need to be prepared for their speed. But for somebody who's like been eyeing, and I've spoken to many folks that were eyeing Old world tarantulas, they picked up even some wolf spiders. Just the speed of wolf spiders is something that can prepare you for a fast-moving, say, baboon species, an OBT, some type of Harpactera species. Uh, Easily, if you can work with a wolf spider, an active hunter that can move around that quickly, if you can work with a Dolomites species, a fishing spider, then the old world species, you're prepared. You're ready for that speed. You know how to, they move generally the same way, just faster. It's going to make your life a lot easier and without necessarily that threat of the potent bite. So yes, they can be great stepping stones to keeping some of the advanced old world species or the faster arboreal species. If you're successfully able to rehouse your huntsman spiders or your wandering spiders, your pokies, your tappies, your somopius, you're going to be just fine with them. So definitely can be used as a quote-unquote safer alternative to prepare for old world speed. Now, number three, a lot of us pick up tarantulas because we like the way they look. We like the coloring. We like the patterning. Well, guess what? Some of the true spiders, Magellomorphs, can be every bit as gorgeous as tarantulas. I can name off several that I've kept that are stunning spiders. H. Buoyi, the lichen or lichen spiders, however you want to pronounce the American way, the UK way, whatever it may be, gorgeous spiders. They are green. I posted pictures of these. If anybody wants to visit my Instagram, they I put up one of my mature male, stunning greens, just a gorgeous spider. Linotheli species, I think I've sold these enough now with their deep blue legs or purple legs, bronze carapace, blue carapace, red carapace, black, just gorgeous spiders, big gorgeous spiders overall. Wolf spiders, again, the Porto Santo wolf spider that I kept had beautiful orange on its uh, clarissera and front legs that made it really stand out. I love the patterning for folks that like the patterning of, say, Pisolotheria species. You have some on the wolf spiders. The Dolomites species in particular kind of have that fractile patterning on them, which makes them gorgeous. 
my Kupienius Gatazi female, which unfortunately finally passed away right around, I think, the two-year mark or so, just short of two years. She was, if you like orange spiders, this one was stunning. Huge, over four inches, is just as orange, vibrant orange as an OBT. Just an amazing spider. Tiger wandering spiders, unfortunately, got a male, but even the male was pretty, pretty good looking. But the females are gorgeous with that striping pattern. And my heteropoda lanula, who I grew up from a microscopic sling to a mature male, unfortunately, just passed away, was around four inches or so, but had a wonderful, they can have wonderful blues and purple metallic sheen to them under light. Guys, they're just as beautiful as our tarantulas. They have, you can find the blues, the oranges, the grays and blacks, the striping, the patterning. It's all there, folks. Do a search. Look at some of these beauties. They're amazing. And again, to piggyback off one of our older ones, because they grow so quickly, it's not going to be long before you're taking beautiful pictures of them and posting them on your Instagram account and showing them the friends who look at you and go, how the heck can you keep that and burn it with fire? No, I'm just kidding. That was a callback to the other one. But just beautiful, beautiful animals overall. I haven't had even some of the like the Venatoria, which would be considered by many to be drab, I still think are gorgeous spiders. The Thai, Thai cave spiders with their striping, amazing looking spiders. So they can be every bit as gorgeous as tarantulas. Sadly, I think that some of us fall into the same trap that people that aren't familiar with tarantulas fall into where they just picture, oh, it's a spider, it's brown, it's black. No, 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 no. There are just as many variations in color and patterning out there as there are for the big guys, the tarantulas. So definitely check them out if you're looking for beautiful species to keep because there are many stunning species out there. Now this one I toyed with a bit, but I think it's important to mention and I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of people get into keeping the true spiders. Many folks can find these species around their own homes. Many folks are interested in spiders, can find things just in their yards outside or even inside their basement or in their house to keep. Now, I'm not normally a proponent for pulling anything out of the wild. I think I've discussed this before. However, true spiders tend to be quite plentiful everywhere. Every I know I can go outside now, and I'm sure for that one Dalmedes tenebrosus, I found there are probably thousands, if not more, in the woods around my house. So we've seen everything from, you know, the basic garden spiders, the orb weavers, whatever it may be. They are everywhere. And I think a lot, I don't think, I know for a fact, a lot of folks that are, are that end up in tarantula keeping were lured into tarantula keeping after keeping spiders they found around their own home. I have a lot of folks that, that come on and they go, hey, I'm getting my first tarantula. I've kept wolf spiders for years. Wolf spiders are very plentiful. This time of year, they're starting to invade homes and stuff because it's getting colder outside. They're seeking warmth. They're coming in. The males are out. Those that's a great species to start with. It'll get you prepared for working with a somewhat larger spider and that one that has some speed. So I think if you pull locally, another good point is the fact that you already have the perfect climate for your spider. You don't have to worry if it's, you know, 60 degrees outside and it's been 60 degrees for a week and you pull a spider from outside. Well, obviously it's going to do fine in your home at 60 degrees. So I think it's a nice way for folks to start practicing those techniques of tarantula care with something that is a lot easier than maybe a tarantula that comes from a different region of the world. So back to my original example about the Dolomites tenebrosus, had I decided to pull that tarantula in my home, it would have done just fine because it was outside in the cold. I would have messed things up because unfortunately what would have happened was the spider that is a juvenile now 
wouldn't have experienced the cold. It wouldn't have had to secret itself away for the winter and likely would have matured out and it would have been off season. So it wouldn't have been something I could have, unless I found a male or a female, whatever it may be, could have paired. But it would have done very, very well in my home. And that's the same thing with any local spider you pull out. I know some folks that find the jumping spider. We have tons of jumping spiders. They're super tiny ones here in Connecticut. We don't see the bigger ones as, but we have the bigger ones as well. But a lot of the smaller ones, if I wanted to keep one of those, there's for every one I pulled out of the local environment here, there's probably thousands more. So for someone who has kept tarantulas and wants to try something different that maybe doesn't want to spend the money, says, hey, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot, see what it's about. Capturing a wolf spider, fishing spider, uh, local jumping spider. Some people are even places where you have trapdoor spiders and such like that. I don't see anything wrong with that. And I think it would be an awesome way to kind of segue in to keeping something other than tarantulas. And again, I know a lot of people that use them to get into tarantulas. I know a lot of people that say they got interested in true spiders. They've kept tarantulas. They pulled a couple wolf spiders, raised them up, went, oh my gosh, these are amazing, and moved in from there. So, you know, earlier we were talking about maybe not as much bang for your buck, but if you're pulling one from outside, free. So definitely you can find them around your own homes to keep. Now, the number one here that I think is probably the biggest, became the biggest perk for me, And it's also, you know, we talked about the beginning of the podcast, I was going to take some of the cons and turn them into pros. Number one, their short lifespans. Now you may be asking, well, how is that a positive? Well, hear me out. For those of us with larger tarantula collections, we tend to reach a point where we don't have any more space. If we're being responsible, we recognize that these little slings that we're eyeing are going to turn into five, six, seven, eight, ten inch spiders somewhere down the line. And when we look around our tarantula rooms and do an inventory of the space we have, we realize we don't have the room for a spider that large, even if it could take many years for it to reach that point. So we desperately want to keep new species. A lot of times you get to a point where there's nothing, there's something for a lot of us there's just something about getting slings and raising them up. That's one of my favorite things to do. Favorite parts of the hobby is take that teeny tiny sling, watch it grow up to adulthood. And when you hit your max capacity, that kind of ends. You you can't grab up the slings like you used to. However, this is where we enter two spiders. You can enjoy all the fun and excitement and thrills that come with raising something up And you don't have to have that commitment of keeping it for decades or more. Now, obviously, for those of us who like tarantulas, we love the fact they live for a long time. But I can tell you having now for the past, geez, I kind of started doing this about four or five years ago, started kind of branching out and grabbing some, we grabbed the widows first. Then we grabbed our first huntsman spiders, the David Bowies. Then we got into keeping the jumping spiders. And as I transitioned into it, first it was like, oh no, they're gonna they, they get to the point where they stop eating. It's like keeping mature males, and it's a bummer. Where you realize your beautiful little female jumping spider, regal jumping spider, is on her way out. I have one now that's over two years old. She's been with me for quite some time, still kicking, but she's kind of slowed down, stopped eating. There's that sad part, but then after they pass you realize I can get something else. And I don't mean to say it in a cruel or a casual way, like, well, it's dead, let's get something else. But I mean it in a sense that it does, you've raised the spider, you can pat yourself on the back that you've had the opportunity to take a tiny little baby animal, raise it right through to old age, adulthood, and eventually, unfortunately, death. That's where everything ends off. And now you can do it all again because you've cleaned out a space on that shelf. As I mentioned, I said I'd come back to this in the beginning, toward the beginning of the podcast. I have a series of one long, about six foot shelf that's all for 
true spiders. That's my true spider shelf. I don't put tarantulas on it. And I keep all my true spiders up there. At one point, I had like 30-something true spiders. I have to get some more eventually. But as they disappear and as they die of old age, my goal, I leave that space open because I can get more. I can do it all over again. You can enjoy raising these guys up from teeny tiny slings to adults. You can get your pictures. You can get your feeding videos. You can have all that good stuff. They sadly die away, and then you can get some more. So it allows you to keep feeling that thrill you get when you get a new animal and raise it up. For me, this has allowed me to keep at least up to 50 more species that I would not be able to keep if they were tarantulas because they'd be with me too long. I would not have the space for their homes. I have enough space here for the little teeny tiny slings. I have enough space. At one point, I had several acrylic enclosures and some of the... I do have other spaces that I can put them, like my Hedropoda, the Thai cave spiders. Those are in a different spot currently in the exoterra nano tall so i do have other spaces for once they get bigger but i know that i have that space there for when they grow up and then when they pass away i can get more so i think for many of us and i have spoken to other people that kind of share this sentiment their short lifespans when you're just looking for something to raise up to have the satisfaction of raising something from sling to adulthood is very very can be very very convenient and does become a plus when you already have a room full of the, generally speaking, more slow-growing tarantulas. Now, one thing I do slightly differently with these species that I do with the tree spiders and my gallomorphs that I do with tarantulas, with the exception of the curtain webs. The curtain webs, I've decided I will always have as many species of curtain webs in my collections I can keep. Those are ones that it's not a one and done. But for a lot of the true spider species, I just want to have the experience of growing as many up as I can. So as one species passes on, I don't necessarily like my H. Lanula just passed on. I loved keeping it because uh, it was a blast to grow it up. Even though it was stressful at first, this was one of the smallest spiders I ever kept as a sling. It was minuscule. It was microscopic, practically. And it, I struggled with it a bit, but it was so satisfying to grow it up. But am I going to go out and find another one? No, I will probably look at another Huntsman spider that I haven't kept. My goal is to keep as many as possible. Same thing, the Cupianius Gatazi, that I may get another one. That was a gorgeous, gorgeous spider. One of the few uh, true spiders that I kept that I posted multiple pictures up on Instagram because I just love, I think I even posted a feeding video up on YouTube with it. Love the spider. Would definitely like to keep that again. But some of the other ones, I don't know. I'll probably try something different. That's the fun of it. It allows you to keep so many more species in a shorter time. So talking about that shorter lifespan with tarantulas, you're talking, you know, if you get a male a couple years or so, or maybe a year for the super fast growing species, most of them a couple years or so to six years, female, you know, a lot of females, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's going to be a long time before those pass away, allowing you to get other things. But with the true spiders, certain species, couple years time they're going to pass away you can try something new it allows you to keep a lot more species in a shorter time and for me trying to keep as much stuff as I can before I finally decide to either you know check out because of just life ending or because I'm done with my in the, with my time in the hobby because I'm getting older and it's irresponsible to keep getting animals that I may not be able to care for that my relatives may have to care for until that time I'm going to see how many I can keep so definitely the shorter lifespan in that respect becomes a perk so that concludes my list of reasons why you should check out True Spiders. I don't know how compelling it was. Hopefully some of you will listen and go, hey, you know what? He brought up some good points. But to reiterate, they take up less space. They grow quickly. They can be less expensive than many tarantula species. They are fun to watch hunt. I love watching them hunt. 
easy to care for for anybody who has spent time keeping tarantulas. They can get big too. They can help prepare you for old worlds if you want to experiment with something that's even faster that doesn't necessarily have that potent bite. They can be every bit as gorgeous as tarantulas. You can find them around your home. You can grab that little jumping spider that's been living over your desk and give it a beautiful house and feed it, give it the best life ever. And then the shorter lifespan can be a plus for those of us who just want to experience so many other species, but recognize with tarantulas, it can take more time. With true spiders, we can grow one up two years. We can try something brand new. So that about does it for this one. Again, if those, if you're one, and I would love to hear for folks, if you're one of the ones that, you know, started off not keeping true spiders and then decided to keep them, what changed your mind? What have you found about them? If you're somebody that's on the fence that listens to this podcast and goes, you know what? I'm going to give this a try. Drop me a line. Let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts after you get one. I hope you enjoy it. I hope people don't go out, pick one up, and go, man, Tom's full of it. This this is boring. I don't think that's going to happen. But again, love hearing from you. As always, you can find me on thomasbigspiders.com. You can find me on Thomas Big Spiders Podcast. You can find me on YouTube. I have not posted a new video this weekend. We're going to probably go for... The immediate future, it's probably going to end up being new video, and then the next week I'll do a short just to kind of keep things going and let folks know I'm still alive, and then new video. Once things slow down a bit, we do want to get back to posting the real, the normal husbandry videos and such weekly, but right now I'm trying not to stress myself out. I got a bunch going on, and I don't want to get to be the point where it feels like a chore. So like yesterday, Billy and I were sitting down relaxing. We had gone to a concert on Friday night, got to see Cannibal Corpse again, at the Worcester Palladium, which was an absolute blast. But on Saturday, we just wanted to kind of veg out a little bit and uh, relax because Friday we went to work, came home, quickly raced, got dressed, drove in a downpour, got up there, got home at about 1230 or so. We were shot. So I went, looked at Billy. I'm like, you know what? No video today. We're going to take a break. So expect me to get back to more videos as we go on, though. That's probably more information than anybody needed. But there you go. Anyway, I'm done. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll catch you all next time.